This is a podcast where we play Dungeons and Dragons with each other. With your closest loved ones. With each other. Hello, and welcome to Make Believe Heroes, an actual play, 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons adventure. I'm your dungeon master and host, Paul, and I'm joined by my four friends. Hey guys, this is Jeremy. I play Lark Darkbolt. I'm Jeffrey, and I play Servants Off the Wall. I'm Alan, and I play Jimalil Karp, also known as Jim. Hi, I'm Red, and I play Kellen. So... Let me go ahead and roll this D20 before we do anything else. Ooh, roll that beautiful bean yeah. footage. Ah, I rolled a five. Huzzah. We've said that too many times, Alan. A five. Too many times. I'm so glad you rolled a five because you have no chance. We'll see. <laughs> so last time we played, our group got to know the elven lady that they met in Fallen Grove a little better. Saluin Odosha. Can you feel... They traveled together, getting to know each other, learning more about this mysterious creature called the Autumn Stag, which she was hunting in Fallen Grove. And after a time, they arrived at the location of a ferryman there next to the Kalen River, owned by Brindle and Trindle Mernick. After speaking with Brindle and Trindle, they asked if they could repair Wolfsbane, the box boat. Trindle excited the prospect of working on this strange and mysterious boat, accepted the offer, After they paid for it, the five members of our party decided to spend the night there in this magical warehouse filled with strange mechanisms and different things. And before they set in for the night, Lorik had an interesting conversation with Saluin, the mysterious and intense and intimidating wood elf that they met on the way. So when we ended our last episode, I stated that Lorik, he went and sat down in his bunk on the wall to begin his meditation. But do the other three or four of you, well four, including Guy. Guy's in bed. Did the other three of you, did you want to do anything before you went to bed? Because I will give you this quick opportunity to do so. I'm just looking at everything, examining. Yes. So you just do that for a while and then go to bed? I don't go to bed. Oh, you don't go to bed. Okay. (laughs) No, I eventually get tired and I push myself a little longer than I should, but I do go to bed. Okay. And Cervantes, you were (laughs) examining your new Odachi, correct? Yeah, and practicing with it a little. Okay. But also wanted to speak with Brindle about something. Okay. Cool. He's around there before it gets too late. He hasn't turned in. Before he goes to bed, he would have stepped over and told any of you that were awake he was going to bed. I guess I'll walk over to where he is. Sure. He's kind of just standing over by the boat and handing Trindle anything that she needs while she works on it. You get the impression that she may be working on it through most of the night to get it ready for tomorrow. Ah, Mr. Murdoch. (laughs) What was his name? <laughs> uh, I love it. It's it's Mernick, actually. Sorry. It's Mernick. 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 Mernick, ah. yes. Brendel Mernick. What can I do for you? I notice you have a lot of different types of tools around here. Oh, yes. A lot, a lot of tools. I recently attained this blade from a fallen enemy. Oh, I see. And it seems to be very useful, but uh, there was some mishaps in the last battle. I see. And I believe it has something to do with its previous owner. Hmm. So, I was wondering if you could somehow, with your tools, 
perhaps engrave a symbol such as this onto the blade. And I show him the uh, symbol of Paylor on my clothes. Oh, that's the symbol of Paylor, right? Yes. I want to dedicate the blade to Paylor. I see. I see. So are you some sort of a holy knight? Yes, I'm a holy knight, a paladin of Paylor. Oh, well, now I feel like maybe our accommodations aren't so good. Anything will do. Uh, we certainly have some things you could do that with. We've got some uh, burning irons over here that you can use to engrave anything that you'd like. Uh, if you'd like, I can kind of show you how to use them, and you feel free to use them to your heart's content. That would be great. Sure. Uh, just follow me over here. And he takes you over to the back corner where they've got a few different things, and there's like this small iron, and it's got some runes on it and things like that. When I say iron, it looks kind of like a soldering iron. Imagine like a handle, some sort of insulated handle with a metal tip on it, almost like a pin. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And he just, he kind of holds it, and he says a few words, some sort of little incantation, and it heats up hot red on the on the end of it. And he says, here, this this ought to, you ought to be able to engrave anything you want. Amazing. <laughs> I don't want to just immediately start engraving on the blade. Sure. But I kind of wanted to practice on something. Okay. He'll show you to like some scrap pieces of ore and things they have around there that you could practice on. Yeah. And then eventually I do want to put that on the blade. Like at the base of the blade, just a little symbol of Paylor. All right. Roll me a religion check <laughs> with proficiency. Ooh. Ooh. What kind of proficiency? With your proficiency bonus, which is an extra plus two. Ah. That's a 16 plus three would be 19. Okay. You nail it in one. Mm. Nice. You very easily get the six-pointed star of Paylor on there. I'm assuming you're putting it on the blade, like closer to the hilt, or? Yes. Like right. Okay. As soon as you open the sword, it's at the base of it, the blade. You take a glance at it, and you're feeling pretty good about your handiwork. Do you say a prayer or anything like that? Yeah, well, just sort of like a quick dedication prayer for the sword, I guess. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. You do that, and you dedicate this sword to righteousness and Paylor and all of that good stuff. And as you are finishing up, you take a look at it, and you see the sun actually glow for a second. Ooh. And it kind of emanates a little bit of your holy magic, and you can feel it channeling through you into the sword. Sick. And when you do, you feel like you are in tune with the weapon. <laughs> you guys should see his face right now. And you stand up, you begin to go through a series of poses and different things, and suddenly this sword feels almost like an extension of your arm. Like you feel more at home with this sword than you ever have any sword. Amazing. Because you've always preferred a sort of weapon where you can keep your distance and still do damage. Mm -hmm. And this sword is kind of like the best of both worlds. Yeah. Because you can use it to do that damage, <laughs> but it's also, you know, it's a sword and you can do it at length. It has reach, but it's also a sword. Yeah. A little more easy to manage than a pike. Awesome. And you are now attuned to this item. That's amazing. This actually is a magic item. And beforehand, you didn't really know and you still don't really fully understand it, but you feel like there's more to this sword. You feel like it's not just a piece of metal on a hilt. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, there you go. There you go, there you go. And then after that, I would, you know, after I messed around with it for a second, I would just go to bed. Okay. And thank Mr. Brundle. 
You're welcome. No problem. Thank you for your patronage. So, Kellen. Yes. What are you doing? I'm really trying my best to help Trindle out. I don't know a whole lot about Wolfsbane or any boat if of that matter, but uh, I'm a little bit decent with carpentry, so I'm trying to help her fix the boat, essentially. Okay. We'll say for about the first hour or so, you've got done eating and everything. Everybody's kind of starting to wind down. You help her put in some new boards where those were torn out. Yeah. And she's very thankful for your help. She's kind of talking to you, telling you about her mom. And she passed away years ago. She got sick and different things. And, you know, just just talking, getting to know you a little bit. But after some time, you're able to help her with the carpentry side of it, you know, with the boards and the nails and all of that stuff. But once you guys have fixed that, you've covered the holes, then she has to do some sort of arcane work, you know. Okay. Some enchantments and things to seal it and putting on the sealer and stuff. And she tells you when it comes to that point that there's not really a whole lot you can help her with. I, I still kind of want to stay up and I want to learn or not learn, but I, I want to watch. I mean, I've never seen that done. So I think it would be a good ex- experience for Kellen. That's totally fine. You want to stay up as long as she stays up or what are you doing? Yeah, I'll stay up as long as she does. Okay. After a little while, Servance goes to bed. After a little while more, Jim goes to bed. And at this point, she's done most of the work that she can. She's kind of shown you what she's done. You know, she's doing the incantations and things. You don't really understand any of that. But she does show you how to apply, like, the lacquer that's going to seal it up. And she's using magic to basically accelerate the rate at which it's going to dry and seal so that you guys can use it tomorrow. Okay, cool. You know, she's walking you through all that, showing it to you. Are you talking about anything? Like, do you want to actually talk about anything with her? Oh, I'm just sharing about my mom and why we're you know i'm going to see my grandpa and in the canopy and uh, you know small talk not really sure too important but yeah you guys make small talk and it's a few hours into the night she kind of steps back looks at it and says well i think that's probably about as good as we're gonna get it so we should i i guess i should probably go get some sleep yeah me uh me too it's it looks really nice oh well thank you it's it's really it's a it's a beautiful beautiful piece of equipment yeah. Thank you. Uh, well, I guess I'm going to get some sleep, too. Um, good night. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Good night. And she kind of awkwardly turns around and walks off yeah. and climbs up the ladder, heads over to her loft. Kellen awkwardly turns around and walks off and heads to his... As Kellen goes to bed, some of you have been asleep for a couple hours. Lark, you've been meditating now for a couple hours. Vance, you and Jim kind of just now settling in for the night. Everyone goes to sleep. The warehouse is silent. There's no mechanisms turning, no tools banging, and it's warm in here. And I need everyone except for Caleb to mute their headphones. Except for who? Everyone except for Kellen? All right, bro. We're out. Peace. So, Kellen. Yes. You lie down in your cot. You go to sleep. Takes you a minute, maybe. You know, you're used to being more outside than this. But you go to sleep, you settle in. It's really comfortable, really easy for you to fall asleep. In fact, you feel like you're just, now that you're laying down, you're just exhausted. And sleep comes very easily. As it does, you know, you have a couple of short dreams. You know how it is usually when you fall asleep, you'll have a couple of quick little dreams that don't really amount to anything. And then eventually your brain will settle into like a deep sleep. Yeah. And a serious dream. And you're dreaming something that you've dreamt of quite a few times. You're dreaming about... Irma, the two of you on hunting trips together, 
And really, it's like you're just walking through memories. You're walking through a memory where the two of you were at a tavern, probably the Rocky Stop, you know, hanging out with your parents. She's there and you all are having dinner. You're dreaming about different things and it's all good. And then you dream about the hunt. One minute you're walking along, it's bright outside, the sun's shining, and the two of you are just kind of talking and laughing. And then the next minute you turn to look at her and she's gone. You realize it's suddenly very dark, black as night. Before you could see far ahead of you with the brightness of the sun, but now it is pitch darkness and you can only see so far ahead of you. It's almost like there's a dim light that's shining in a large oval around you, but you can't see beyond it. Okay. You jump at the sound of thunder, and suddenly it begins to rain, a torrential downpour all around you, and you're soaked within seconds. You quickly turn from side to side looking for Irma. You're calling out for her. Ir- Irma. Irma. Where, where are you? You hear the sound of a blood-curdling scream pierce the night. Irma! And Kellen takes off towards it. Kellen runs as fast as he can. You run forward and you keep hearing the sound of, of a scream and then this roar. Where, where are you? <clears throat> Suddenly you hear what seems like a scream of just severe pain. And you go running forward and you run up on the scene of an owlbear. And it is hunched down over the form of Irma. Get off of her! You pull out your bow and you just start sinking arrows into it. I mean, you feel like you're just, you're doing everything you can. But this owlbear is enormous. And as you approach it, it seems like it just grows larger and larger. And these black lines, like, cover its fur. They, they, they seem to grow across it as you're running toward it. And you run up and as you do, it stops and looks up at you. And then it just slowly backs away into the darkness. And Irma is laying there, and her body is just marked with blood, and you can see that she's just tore open wounds all across her body. You run up, and you fall down on your knees, and you grab her, and she looks up at you, and she says, Kellen. Irma? Why didn't you save me? Why didn't you save me, Kellen? And her eyes turn solid black. You could have saved me, Kellen. You could have protected me. Why didn't you save me, Kellen? And these black hands come slowly creeping out from the darkness above you and around you. And now that large oval of light has shrunk down to a small little spotlight. And these tendrils reach out from the shadow and grab her as she's screaming, Why didn't you save me, Kellen? And they grab her and they begin to pull her out of your grasp. No. No, Irma. And you can just hear it radiating from the forest all around you. You could have saved me, Kellen. Stop. You could have saved me. So, Sir Vance, you lie down on your cot... You begin to go to sleep. Mm. You begin to go into dreams. Simple at first. You dream about Branchire. You dream about fighting and winning. (laughs) You know, the stuff that Sir Vance typically dreams about. But then, it hasn't been happening much lately, but you start to go back into that nightmare Mm. that you have. 
the one in the cavern with the orcs. Mm-hmm. And it begins just like it always does. You're there in the cavern, and you smell blood, and you hear the rain, and you hear your fellow soldiers yelling out as they're fighting these orcs in the den of battle. You slay an orc. You run up, you slay another one. And you feel that pit of fear in your stomach that you felt before. And then, just like when it really happened, you take a glancing blow to the back of the head. Hmm. And you go down onto your knees. From the blow, there's a ringing in your ears. Then you look up to the sound of Captain Quinn yelling at you. But as you do, the scene shifts. You look around and now where all these orcs were, instead you see Sir James. You see Mrs. Clark. You see Guy and Pauline and the rest. Friends that you grew up with. Captain Quinn comes rushing across the cavern and he slashes his sword across Sir James's neck. Sir James falls onto his knees and blood's pouring out from between his hands. Louise runs up, stabbing Pauline through the chest. One by one, you're seeing people that you've known your whole life being slaughtered by your own companions, your own fellow soldiers. And then you hear a cry and you look and Mrs. Clark is huddled in the back corner and she's holding Guy in her arms. But he's no longer the man that you know him as now. He's back as that four-year-old, five-year-old boy that you grew up with, and he's weeping. Captain Quinn stands over her with a sword in his hand, and he looks back at you. But when he looks back at you, Vance, his face changes. And although you've never seen your father, the man standing before you is unmistakably Sir Vance off the wall the first but his eyes are solid black. And he says these words, How could my own offspring be so weak? Then he turns to Mrs. Clark, laughing with this dark laughter, and brings the sword down across her. So, Jim... That's me. You lie down. No. To go to sleep. Okay. You roll over, you get comfortable. These hammocks are actually pretty comfortable. Does Jim do anything or say anything with his patron before he goes to sleep, typically? Now I lay me down in my sleep. I pray my patron don't kill me. <laughs> you lie down, and I would say from time to time, Jim gets that feeling before sleep that he gets sometimes when his patron's kind of communicating with him where it's like a presence looming over him. Yeah. You feel a little bit of that tonight. Usually when you lay down, Jim can kind of tell when it's going to be a good night's sleep based on that. Is this it? Yeah, it seems seems okay. Everything seems okay. It's a little different. Why, though? I don't know. You go to sleep. I sleep. You close your eyes. You fall into sleep. Jim has weird dreams. Yes. Jim always has weird dreams. Just like me. His dreams are not like most people's in the sense that they are, well, everybody's dreams are kind of stream of consciousness, but his are more like, this is kind of messed up, but have you ever seen The Ring? Yeah, with the little girl in the well. You know the tape they watch? Oh, yeah. It's just a creepy series of random sequences. Just like my dreams. That's kind of what Jim's dreams are like, typically. Yeah. He's gotten used to it. Just like me. But tonight, 
you go through that, you're having these weird dreams of visions and glimpses of things that you don't understand. You see a glimpse of someone standing in a courtyard that you've never seen before. You see a glimpse of a great battle and a war taking place between orcs and men and elves and there are dragons flying overhead. You see all kinds of crazy things. You know, the sort of things you usually see, you barely remember them when you wake up. But then the dream slows down and you are in a large ancient library. Ooh. You're surrounded by dust and grime. There's moss and black mold all around you. It's a very decrepit looking place and you know this place. This is the place where you met your patron. Oh my. You are knelt down in the middle of this library. You've cleared out a spot in the floor and you've drawn this large arcane circle. There are pages laying all around with different portions of this circle for this ritual that you're beginning that you've gathered from different books and different things from the library. All your work has finally come to fruition and you're about to summon this person, this thing, this power, and finally get the answer to all your questions. The circle is surrounded by candles in a certain pattern. There are lines connecting them. And in the middle of the circle, there is a small brazen bowl that's lit with a small fire. And inside are a series of ritual components that you've gathered. And you are chanting this incantation following word for word. You've been practicing for weeks to do this now. And suddenly, you hear a whispery, shadowy voice from the darkness around you. It's pitch black in here, and you really can't see much of anything beyond the light of the candles. And it seems like the darkness in the room begins to press down on you. You hear this shadowy voice from the darkness all around you, and it's speaking a language that you can't really comprehend. But your ritual's not over, and you're still saying the words and doing the motions and doing everything. And as you are, and the shadow presses in, you begin to see these flashes kind of blinking in and out of the dream. It's flashes of the past or the future, glimpses, and as you're seeing them, you're not in your own body, Jim. You're looking down from above, as a number of scenes flash across your vision. But these scenes contradict with your own memories. You see the image of your mother dead on the floor of the kitchen in your home back in Venthaven. You see your father splayed out in the grass in their garden, his eyes blank and lifeless. No. You see yourself on a road, traveling with a party of five adventurers, laughing and talking, but you don't recognize a single one of them. Their faces are those of strangers. You see yourself walking into a tavern that is carved into an enormous tree in the middle of a giant forest with a large canopy overhead covered in orange and yellow autumn leaves. And then you see a mansion, dark and looming, in a great forest grown over with vines and greenery, and your nostrils are filled with a dank scent, the smell of a place long forgotten, abandoned, and left for dead. Then you're back in that library. You're down on the floor, on your hands and your knees. You've fallen utterly silent now as the ritual is complete. The papers that were strewn across the floor are now blowing around the room, caught up in a sort of black wind. The darkness presses in around you as the candles burn low on their wicks and go out. Frozen in place, Jim, you see yourself on the floor as you crane your neck back to see a horrifying, umbral creature manifest from the shadowy whirlwind around you. And then, as it leans down over your shoulder, its long black hands reach forward 
and into your back, and you scream. <laughs> Lorik, you settle into meditation. Your mind's not exactly at rest. You're kind of struggling with a lot of thoughts and emotions that you're having from the conversation you had with Saluin and different things, just all the things that have happened to you over the last week, really. Yeah. And you're not asleep. You're meditating. And after you finally get your emotions and everything calmed down enough to go into this meditative state, you begin to do as you typically do during this time, and you revisit the vision of the grove. Yes. During these times as you're meditating over your memory, I mean, you're literally just reliving a memory inside your mind palace, you've begun to gain a little more control over it. You know, you can't just see everything and explore everything, but you're able to kind of slow it down a little bit and, and examine what is available for you to see most of the time, so long as you can keep your emotions in check. You've learned to pause the visions, and even though great portions of the vision itself are covered in shadow and you can't see who all is there and what all is happening, you're able to somewhat control it. But there are others in the scene right now, dark figures. You know, it's like when you're trying to remember someone's name or you're trying to think of a word. It's right there on the tip of your tongue, but you just cannot bring it to light. Right. That's the way it is as you're looking at them. It's like, oh, I almost know who they are, but you just can't really, you can't figure out who's where. Okay. After a few moments, or we'll say even minutes pass in this vision, you're looking at the tree, you're looking at the leaves falling around you, you're looking at the stone glowing as the tree is opened up and you see different people there you see someone going to reach into it with their hands and you're trying to pull it all up together right you hear a voice call out from behind you clear as day and it says Lorik Darkbolt uh, yes uh, and slowly turn that, that you turn back and as you do you are no longer in the grove where am I as you turn, the glowing leaves and sweet scent of Fallen Grove fades away, and they are immediately replaced with the noticeable absence of any stirring of the air around you. Instead of the yellow brightness of the blinking, sun-filled leaves of the grove, the room is illuminated in a bluish-white light. Turning, you notice the familiar feeling of smooth marble beneath your feet, and the hum of magic surrounds you. You instantly recognize the scene before you, Lorik. You're back in Venthaven. Am I? You're standing in a small blue circle in the center of a beautiful high-ceilinged chamber. You know this place to be the Hall of Resolution, a place where the accused must face judgment before the Elder Conclave of Venthaven. I thought so. Before you, Lorik, stands the governess of the city of Venthaven in all of her serene glory. Standing just behind her on her right is another elf you recognize as the Archmage of the College of Magic himself, his piercing blue eyes bearing down on you. Seated to the left and the right of the governess, before two long desks are a number of elven men and women, all their eyes locked on you. To her right, you see many familiar faces, elves in dressed robes in hues of blue and gray. These are the various professors and teachers that you'd sat under during your studies of over half a century at the College of Magic. To our left, you see many elves of the highest status from your city, straight-backed and regal in their seats. Now, looking up at your judges, you hear as the governess speaks to you once again with finality. Lorik Darkbolt. Uh, yes, my... The Elder Conclave has hereby found you guilty on all 
counts. Lord drops his head in shame. In light of your crimes against Venthaven, Magic, and all Elvenkind, you shall be henceforth expelled from the College of Magic and stripped of all your rights as an heir to this council. You have one day in which to get your affairs in order and leave this city. But, but, but Lady Governess... A city in which you are no longer welcome. As she finishes her sentencing, a wave of agreement murmurs through the conclave on either side. Almost reflexively, your eyes pop to the third seat on her left. Just as expected, you see your father in his seat, his head held high. Seconds pass as you look on his face, but he will not meet your eyes. Loric starts jittering. Father? You go to speak, to defend yourself, to say something, anything, but your lips won't move. You are frozen, shamed, still as stone, looking upon these elves before you, many of whom you've looked up to, even sat at the dinner table with. And as you look on, suddenly they begin to grow before you, stretching out eerily toward the ceiling. You can see as one by one their eyes roll back in their heads and turn black. Looking on in horror, your eyes lock on the governess as two unnaturally long-fingered black hands reach up from behind her and grab onto both of her shoulders. Then, slowly ascending and looming over her comes this huge, shadowy figure. You try to move, to turn and run, to cry out, but you're locked in place as this figure creeps down towards you from above, stretching out from the governess's back now as she is hunched over, gone lifeless like a puppet. But right before the dark hands reach you, ever closer, the figure begins to spin. What? It starts to twirl like a slow-moving whirlpool of darkness. Like a swirling. And then you hear a deep, echoing laughter as the swirling cloud of shadow sends out spiraling black tendrils into the eyes, nose, ears, and mouths of each one of the Elder Conclave into the Archmage, into the Governess, into your father. And their screaming voices fade out as the hall is filled with the same black laughter that you recall from the darkness in your dying nightmare back in the house dimble. Wow. And then everything goes black. Lorik, you are snapped out of your meditation. Servants? You look around and you see Servants over in his cot, asleep. It's really quiet in here. You see everyone, Jim, Guy, Servants, Kellen. Looks like Brindle and Trindle are both up in their quarters asleep, and you're the only one that's awake. Lorik very quietly steps down, and he's going to go outside. Walking toward the door, right as you're about to get there, a voice speaks over from the side and says, Is everything all right, Lorik? It's Saluan. Saluan? Yes, I I just finished my meditation. I assume that you probably did the same. (laughs) Yeah, the advantage of half the time of the rest of the the mortals. Um, No, it's, it'll be okay. Do you, in your meditations, do you 
Do you have visions? No. Won't you come outside? Um. Oh. Okay. I, I'll. I'll. Yes. Sure. She gets up and follows you out the door. Yep. So Lork's gonna go outside and he's gonna look for the easiest way to get to the roof. Okay. There are lots of trees all around it, so you could pretty easily climb a tree and hop over onto the roof. He is going just to look over his shoulder at her and, and give a nod. Yeah. And he's going to climb a tree and try to get up on the roof. Yeah, she doesn't hesitate. She gets up there a lot quicker than you. Of course. He's a little clumsy. Yeah, and she's much more dexterous. He finds the the best angle to view the moon and lays down. You can't see the moon. Can you see anything? Trees. Now, there is some moonlight coming through, but because I previously said that literally where you are is like the trees, once you cross the river, there's going to be a small area where the sky is visible, yeah. like in the center of this very wide river. But from where you're at, you're still very, very strictly under the canopy of the trees. I'm not trying to like poop on your parade. Quit pooping on my parade, bro. Just for consistency. You can see the glow of moonlight above you, but you don't have like a clear view of the moon. Buddy, what are you doing? Like... We're on a, at a house on the edge of the river. You should give me some stars here. Lork's trying to go stargazing. Suddenly the trees blow in the wind and part, and you get a glimpse of the moon. <laughs> <laughs> the moon no. comes crashing down. Lork goes and lays, in, and he's looking for if there's the tiniest gap anywhere where he can see if it's just one star, that's where yeah, he's going to go and lay you can see You can see starlight and moonlight coming through the canopy of the trees. All right. That's where he goes. And so lay. you can get a glow. You're you're a terrible director. You're an awesome writer, and I called you a nephilim a minute ago, but I'm redacting that. I, I, I literally, I, I've just, I've already previously said that it's like a roof above you. I got you, I got you, but we're on a house on the edge of okay. a river. Maybe it's not so much a roof right there. Okay, where you're step from, fine. I'm, this isn't a love story, okay? You know what? I'm gonna give you a yes and here. Okay, yeah, sure. You can see some stars above. You could you. see one star. <laughs> you can see a few stars peeking through. All right, he lays down. Siluan goes over, and she doesn't lay down, but she sits down with her hands on her knees, looking up. So we, I meditate, mm-hmm. and sometimes I, I visit some of the visions or memories that I have, things that I've seen. Do you do, do, you do that? Um, I don't know. I, I, it seems like I have a couple of times. I'm, you know, I don't necessarily try to, though. Yeah. Have you ever noticed how when if you focus on a memory, you can you can almost count every blade of grass? There's so much time to focus. But I have one that I can't. I, I try to see everyone in it and it, they're like shadows. And it they're blocked from my vision and. And I'm not used to anything being blocked from my vision at all. You know what that's like? So it's kind of dim out here, but you have dark vision, and you can see her. Her skin is almost a dark paleness in the dim light that you all have. Mm-hmm. And she has somewhat of a, just a quick glimpse of a pained look comes across her face. Kind of like she was lost a little bit of that control that she holds on to. Yes, uh, it's it's like it's like time stops. Yeah. Whether you want it to or not. And tonight was one of those nights I I didn't want it to. It took me back to well, a 
a moment I I never want to focus on. Do you know what that's like? Yes. It's not the best, but I, when I have those, I, I go outside and I, I find a place like this and I, I stare up for a while and remember that even the elves don't live as long as the stars and maybe someday I'll forget that. Maybe. There is a there is a place that I sometimes like to visit. Well, I know that you're not from Fallen Grove, but there aren't many good views of the sky in Fallen Grove. It is, well, it's one of the few things that I don't much love about my home. <laughs> but there is one place where I go sometime, not far from my home, where uh, the trees have grown, where there's just... A, a slight gap there and I get a, can get a clear vision of the sky above. Sometimes I like to go there and look at the stars, the moon. Yeah. Yeah. An elf sometimes needs more than trees and green. Have you seen the sea, Lorik? I, I crossed the sea to get here. It's, it's magnificent. Venthaven is on the sea. I... In fact, I feel more at home on the waves now than I would ever feel at home. I've never been to Venthaven. I've always known that our kind aren't exactly welcome there. Our kind? <laughs> what is... I, forgive me, but uh, I don't... I thought there would be a difference, but I see different. My father, My father warned me of... Wood elves and gnomes, and something of halflings, even though I really I know many. Yeah, but he's he's also well, I, he's also the reason why I could maybe never go home. I, I would love to show you Venhaven. I I just don't know if I could take you into the city. It's magnificent. Don't get me wrong. I I don't know that I could leave the forest. Forgive me for saying this, Lark, but it sounds like your father isn't exactly. The best. <laughs> I mean, he's still my father, and I, I would love to see him someday understand that I, I was just trying to help him. I was just trying to help Vithaven. But he's not, no, he's... Sometimes you move away from things and try to get away from bad memories, I guess. Some bad memories will never leave you. I'm, I'm, I've only, I've not even seen my first century, and I've already felt that in my heart. You said we have the gift, the blessing of, of meditation, and only needing, I don't know, half the time of rest. It seems like other races have to spend so much time in sleep. Yeah. And yes, there is an advantage to that, but sometimes I feel that perhaps it was a curse from the gods. Sometimes I would like to just rest, rest my mind. The only rest for us is the the last sleep, I'm afraid. Well. But they say, the elders say, that the more time we spend, the, we have multiple loves and multiple lives, and we change and we move from place to place, but I don't, I don't know how I will ever get over what happened in Vithaven. 
I don't know that I'll ever forget that that memory. And um, it's a it's pleasant to to talk to somebody who knows well really how I feel. Well, I can't say that I exactly know what all you've been through, Lark, but um, yes, sometimes it can be therapeutic to speak with someone who sees through the same lens as you. Yeah. Well, uh, we we do live a long time, and I'm sorry, I'm trying not to get too far ahead, but it it would be uh, an honor for me to show you the sea sometime, if you could bear to leave the trees for a while. She stiffens up a little bit. You know, you can tell she's kind of starting to catch herself, I guess. Sure. And she says, yes, um, perhaps one day, if the gods permit. Lord stands up, and he takes a couple steps towards her, and he, she's sitting down, so he reaches his hand down to, to give her an up. Okay. She reluctantly takes it. Uh, he pulls her up. He doesn't lean in, doesn't even go a hug, nothing like that. He just holds that hand for a, a second too long and walks past her. When you go to walk past her, she turns and walks the other way. And she's going to hop into the trees and fly off into the woods like Legolas. She flies off in the woods. Lorik stays on the roof for just a second longer and looks up to see that star one more time. Hmm. The next couple hours pass by, Jim, Vance, you all wake up. It's actually not hours. It's while all this has been going on, one by one, each of you, Vance, Jim, and Kellen, you all snap awake in a cold sweat. Irma! You all can hear your companions stirring as well. Is it morning? It is not. It is dark. But you are wide awake. Did everybody else have that dream with with the moose? <laughs> the moose. <laughs> um, oh, my goodness. <laughs> Jim, no one dreams of moose but you. Okay. Lord comes in the door and goes, are we, are we talking about moose? Moose? <laughs> oh, it's nothing. It's nothing. What were uh, you doing outside, Lord? Kellen, you're sweating. Are, are you okay? I need a drink. Why is everyone awake right now, and what were you doing outside, Lord? If you haven't noticed, you all sleep for like four hours, like eight hours, and I sleep, I, I don't even sleep, I meditate for like four, and then I'm, I'm basically just, you know, by myself for like four hours, and it's really none of your business what I've been doing, but uh, thank you for asking, Sir Vance, and he's blushing hardcore. It is my business because I'm... Guarding you. It's his business. And also, guarding me. If it you, has not been four hours. If you if you haven't noticed, I'm the one who does most of the guarding because you, you, you guys guard me for four hours and then I guard for the rest of the night, which is like eight hours, which really means we spend in like... You don't guard, you only watch. Then you wake us up to rescue you from your death. <laughs> <laughs> Kellen. So are you all like sitting up on your bunks or have you climbed down? I fell back asleep. Nah. I'm just sitting with my legs hanging out, hanging off the bed. Kellen is reaching into his bag for a flask. Kel- so. Kellen, we had to we had to get up sooner. Are you okay? Uh, uh, I'll be fine. Um, and who's Kellen? Who's Irma? It's 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 nothing. 
it's nothing. And Kellen reaches in his bag, grabs a flask, and uh, takes a big, hearty drink from it. When he sets it down, Lork's going to reach slowly for it, like, will you give me one? No. <laughs> no. Lork. It, uh... I, I, I was just going to take it and put it in my pocket anyway. Kellen, please, you can talk to me. I told you it's fun. Okay? It's... Well, it's not fun. It's okay. Are you okay, though? Yes, I'm fun. I have studied many topics, including psychology. <laughs> if you would like to discuss it, Kellen. No, I'm, I'm good, Jim. Thank you. That's okay. Psychology also tells me that it's okay for you to not tell. <laughs> I don't understand why everyone is awake right now. All three of you were supposed to be asleep. I was trying to sleep. I wanted to sleep, but then, then the dreams, and then I woke up, and everyone else woke up, and I thought we had the same dream, but apparently we didn't. The dreams. The same dream. Please tell. I mean, the moose. Nah, there's no moose. Okay. To be clear, you each do very vividly remember your dream, and it's not like it is typically with these sorts of dreams where you remember them really well when you first wake up, but they slowly start to fade away. No, it's, it's firmly imprinted into your brain. Okay, at that point, Kellen is crying then. Well, not like weeping, but is tearing up. Struggling. Yeah, very yeah. much struggling. He's, he's instead of taking just subtle drinks, he's, I mean, essentially chugging this whole entire flask. Okay. What's in that, Kellen? Is that, is that, is that good to be drinking? Yeah, it's, um, it helps me out. Lemur urine. <laughs> Lork is just neurotic enough that he jumps. He, like, sits cross-legged in the bunk with Kellen, like, straight across from Kellen, reaches out and grabs the wrist of the hand that is holding the flask. Kellen, what is wrong? It's fun. I'm okay. And he, he starts to chug even more. And he actually, you can hear that he is, he's finished that whole entire flask. It's completely empty. Kellen, before, before that intoxication hits you, um, so... Sometimes I, I, I don't really understand dreams, but I meditate and I think about the past. And tonight I, I, I stepped out of meditation early because I, something happened. Why? Why are you awake? What happened to you? I'd rather not talk about it. It's, it's I, best I, not to. I don't know what happened. And it is weird that we all had dreams that woke us up at the same exact time, but... I have a secret that I want to keep, and that's my business. So, did I get enough to get my spell slots back? Yes. Oh yep. Meet Lorik. I would like to point out that each of you, including Lorik, feels exhausted. Really? By which I mean each of you has one exhaustion point. With that, yeah. I'm going to say that with that alcohol... Would that put me right back to sleep? No. Not that nope. fast. <sighs> it would take sleep to put you back to sleep. Oh, no. It gives you disadvantage on all ability checks. Good thing this isn't an ability. He, all right, uh, you want him to do that, Lark? Yeah, he's going to place one hand on the one in his belly. He's not even really going to pull it out of the way. And he's going to stare deeply into Kellen's eyes and like squeeze his wrist enough so that Kellen comes enough out of it to look at him. And he's going to say, I, I need you to tell me what did you dream about? 
and then you can go to sleep. Okay. What do I have to make? It's a wisdom 15 saving throw. Goodness gracious. It's a nat 20. <laughs> woo, woo, woo. Disadvantage. Oh, it's a disadvantage. Oh, yes. my gosh. Wow. You just chug an entire bottle of liquor. You're not very wise. Also, you're <laughs> okay. exhausted. That's a... Uh... Hold on. Let me look at my wisdom. What's it on the dice? It is a 13 on the dice. It's not bad. No, nah, his uh... wisdom's pretty good, honestly. Is it? I don't know if it's it actually... It's a plus three. Ooh, no, no, I'm looking at Lorix. What is your oh. wisdom? It should be fine. It's probably a plus three or four. Well, I have to meet a 15, right? My wisdom is a plus three. So that's a 16. So you save. You do. Yep. Um, Kellen just kind of looks at you and says, are you serious? You just tried to use a spell on me. Are you kidding me? Does he know that I used a spell on him? I don't know. Let me read it real quick. Okay. Never mind then. Cut that audio. You can. <laughs> it probably does. I'm checking. Doesn't say anything about it once it's over. It knows. Can I roll to see if I know though? No. No. You'd okay. have no reason to think that he was. He literally just asked you a question. And it does not say that you would know. Okay. Lorik, I'm I'm telling you, I'm good. Okay. Lorik isn't gonna. He's gonna think that the the spell is either not working or he's too exhausted. Like he's not gonna try again. Um, sure. He's going to say, okay, okay, Kellen, but I just want you to know that you can trust me, and I'm here to help you if you need me. Okay. Can can you maybe leave my bunk? I'm, I'm pretty exhausted. I think I'm going to go back to bed. I've never really felt like meditating again, but I feel like I should. Yeah, I think it, honestly, we probably all should go back to bed. It's not even daytime outside. Like, there's no light. So. Okay, so is Kellen the only one having a physical reaction? Because Lorik is one that if someone is freaking out, he, for whatever reason, feels that he should do something. Like, we've seen in combat in the past that whenever someone gets hurt that Lorik cares about or thinks he cares about, he freaks out to a different level. So just to clear the air, Servants and Jim, are you guys looking kosher? Servants is praying to Paylor. And Jim is kind of sitting there in contemplation, like he's not really too focused on things. Okay, Lork would return to his bunk and start meditating again. Helen's going to roll over now with the sweet whiskey in his blood and is going to fall back asleep. What are Sir Vance and Jim doing? Are you, I mean, Vance, you're praying. Yeah. You pray, and how long, what do you do? Probably for a good 10, 15 minutes. Okay. And then just try to go back to sleep. And Jim's probably sweating a lot. I'm kind of sitting there on the hammock, kind of staring off into space in deep thought. Jim, you fall into that deep thought, that meditative, you know, for the sake of the, just using the word, state, thinking on what you just witnessed and the things that both meet and don't meet your memories. Yeah. Some of the things you saw, it's like, was that just a weird nightmare was that it felt very real yeah you guys all kind of settle in and try to go back to sleep or back into meditation and you could not be farther from sleep wonderful you lay there or you sit there for an hour 
for two hours. The sun rises, and eventually you realize that it would take an act of a god to put you to sleep. Half an hour into that, Lork's going to give up and get up and make his cot and head outside. Anyone else going to do anything or just kind of wait it out? I'd probably say after two hours of not being able to go back to sleep, Kellen's going to get up and it's going to walk outside. And Okay, roll me a dexterity saving throw with disadvantage as you try to climb out of your bed. Oh, boy. Yay. So that's definitely going to be a fail. Oh, no. Oh, I rolled a nat 20 on the second one, but I have a five on the first one. So Dang. five plus what? Seven, I think, is my dex. Yeah. So, you go to step out, and when you do, your foot completely misses the little ladder, and you fall 15 feet onto the ground. <sighs> you take four damage. Ow. Is- damage. Must have landed on your head. I take fours all the time. Yeah. I'm going to get up, <laughs> dust myself off, and be like, yep, that happened. And I'm going to walk outside. So you're going to stumble outside. I was Go just going to say I would try to help him get up and stuff, but if he's just getting up and dust himself off, there's nothing to he, do. He's getting up. You can tell he's having trouble getting up if you want to try and help him up. Sure. I would just help him up. Be like, you all right? Yeah, I'm, I'm fine. I'll be good. And... Thank you. He kind of walks outside. He's walking toward the door. He's stumbling to the left and the right and yeah. barely able to hold himself up. And then I want to go talk to Guy and see if what kind of – I want to talk to Guy. You go over to Guy? Yeah. He's rolled over onto his side facing the wall. Guy. Yeah. Have you been asleep? I was asleep. Did you also have any strange dreams? Why did you bring me on this mission? Because I needed a retainer to help me along the way. You needed a a servant, I guess. Of course, and you're a friend of mine. (laughs) Am I? No, I'm just saying that. Of course you're a friend. I wish you had left me at home. Why? What? What's wrong? Nothing. There. Don't lie to me. What is going on? I'll get our things together. Just give me a few minutes, sir. I'm wanting to flip his bed over. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> you do? You really? Yeah. He tries to grab it hanging down and he's able to fall without like falling on his head or anything yeah. but he he hits the ground pretty hard now what's the problem guy why do you care suddenly what do you mean why do i care suddenly you brought me on this mission because you needed someone to carry your stuff around and do what you say and i'm not gonna make it not gonna make it you've been doing great i'm not gonna survive this i will never see pauline again i will never see my mom again and it's, look, I just, just please, just for once, listen to me and just leave me alone. That's what you want. He gets up and walks away. And I think that's where we're going to end this week.
my gosh, so many questions. Thank you for listening to Make Believe Heroes. You can find us on Twitter at MBH Podcast. You can send us an email to makebelieveheroespodcast at gmail.com. If you like our show, then why don't you give us a five-star review or give us a retweet. Tell a friend. Spread the news. Please. We'd love to have your help in spreading the word about our show. We are really enjoying what we're doing, and we would love to have your help in getting a bigger audience. And we love you. We do love you. We do love you also. If we didn't, we don't say that enough, but we do. Apparently, Sir Vance doesn't say it enough either. We <laughs> love you. <laughs> Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. Bye.